This is Cast Club Radio. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling. On Cast Club Radio, we believe every spirit has a story. And stories like good drinks are always better when shared with friends. Each week, we'll explore the intersection of cocktails, spirits, beer, wine, and life. It's Cast Club Radio. Here's your hosts, Lydia Cruz and Justin Stiefel. Good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Cast Club Radio. Thanks so much for joining us today. My name's Lydia Cruz. And I'm Justin Stiefel. I'm Maura Dooley. We're getting into the holiday season. We uh, talked about Enchant last week on our show, and it's something all of us here have experienced and loved. And we also love the fact that there's a little heritage distilling tie in there. Yeah, they're featuring uh, vodka, or batch number 12 vodka with cranberry juice in a really cool light bulb that has uh, lights on the bottom that flicker. So people are walking around with that thing all over the park. And uh, they're featuring the BSB apple cider, hot apple cider. We're going to give you that recipe at the end of the show here. And when I took the family now a week and a half ago, it was fantastic. And it's only getting better as we get closer to actual Christmas Day. So you still have a couple weeks to go see what these people at Enchant have done to transform our beloved baseball stadium into <laughs> a winter wonderland. It, it is it is amazing. Yeah, what what's it, over 2.5 million lights that they've yeah. got going on there? They added the additions on the outside this year, which are just fantastic because they put me in a good mood anytime I'm walking past T-Mobile Park. The inside, though, is even better. So make sure to get your tickets online, too, because there's nights that sell out and you don't want to be stuck literally on the outside in the cold. No, no. Highly recommend it. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Uh, What's going on in the headlines? Well, first up, this is from the drinks business. The title says this protein bar cuts alcohol absorption by 50%. Before I go into the article, I do want to say, as we normally do our disclaimers, we're just going through what the news is reporting. We're not (laughs) making our own health claims here. So we're we're not going to vouch for this on our own. This is from a company called Sobar, kind of like sober, but with a bar on the end. (laughs) They say it is the world's First food specifically designed and clinically evaluated to reduce alcohol absorption. That's according to Zero Functional Foods, which has launched the snack bar in the U.S. They ran clinical trials of the snack bar this year, and they found that eating a Sobar before consuming alcohol, they say, significantly lowers levels of intoxication and reduces the rate of alcohol absorption by 50% or more compared to someone not eating anything after all prior to having a drink. Uh, the study was published in the Journal of Medicinal Food, and it compared the ability to reduce alcohol absorption against two other foods in 21 healthy adults, including 10 men and 11 women. Each person was tested four times, eating no food, and then a 210-calorie Sobar, and then 210 calories of popular snack mix, or a 635-calorie full meal right before they consumed two drinks. That was the test they consumed, or that they, they conducted. The study showed that peak blood alcohol concentration measured over 90 minutes was reduced by 50% compared to those who ate no food and by 25% compared to those who ate the other snack mix. The reduction was even greater after eating the full meal. So this is really interesting. Uh, I'm sure we're going to have people come out and attack this, uh, people who don't like alcohol, and uh, they're going to say that this is just being used as a ruse to encourage people to, to drink more. But uh, we got a lot of data uh, shine through, and I'm sure there'll be more people doing their own clinical trials to see if they can repeat this. And we'll keep you posted on what we see. But this is really fascinating. Absolutely. Yeah. What else is going on in the headlines? Uh, our friends at Amazon have launched a two-liter wine stocking just in time for Christmas. This uh, I've, I've been seeing this on social media. It is a big plastic bag in the shape of a Christmas stocking, and it holds 
two liters of wine, and it's capable of being hung to look like a Christmas stocking. It's priced at $8.99. The red and white stocking is printed with the words, We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy Hangover. Uh, that was their idea, not ours. It has a black tap at the end of the boot. Sadly, the sock, which can be hung from the fireplace like a traditional stocking, is sold without any wine, but you can refill it because it has a screw cap nozzle. It's, uh, it's, it's interesting to see. There's also Santa flasks made by Party Flasks. Uh, they hold two and a quarter liters of wine. And uh, this wine stocking is made from FDA-approved plastic and uh, features an open wide enough for ice cubes, and it has a leak-proof spout as well. So different creative ways people are looking to get into the holiday spirit. Absolutely, and uh, a stocking stocking stuffer, potentially, for the wine lover on your <laughs> the list. The best kind. Yeah. The lush, yeah. yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, lastly, again, with Amazon, you've got now you have your two-liter wine stocking. You need to fill it with something. They have rolled out their own branded wine range. Of course they, call they have. It Compass, <laughs> Compass Road. They say it's a brand of, quote, affordable wines. It launched in Germany earlier this month. It has Pinot Grigio, a Merlot, a Chardonnay, a Grenache Rosé, a Dornfelder, and a Riesling. They're all available to Amazon Prime members. They retail for uh, under 20 euros each. We're going to see it coming to the U.S., I assume, in some states based on state law. And uh, I'm sure that they're also going to be bringing it into uh, some of their retail stores, including their Prime Now channels, their Amazon Fresh, and their Whole Foods Market. So be on the lookout for Amazon's own wine brand called Compass Road. Wow. And this is, shouldn't come as a shocker, I think, because we've talked a lot in this past year about Amazon getting more involved in the wine slash spirit business seems in like. everything yeah, yeah let's, let's, <laughs> very let's true the they're getting involved in everything especially here in seattle uh yeah that's uh it's yeah. just a common even true. a rumor recently that uh jeff bezos may want to buy the seahawks the seahawks they're yes. not for sale currently, yeah so. currently but um yeah we'll keep you updated on this and uh any other stories we might pick up on coming up on cast club radio there's some pretty strict regulations about how you can serve and sell alcohol in distilleries and we've got a first-hand expert right here on our show to talk to it's next on cast club radio back to Cast Club Radio. There are some pretty strict regulations and rules surrounding how you can serve and sell alcohol at distilleries. And nobody would know this better than our own Justin Seifel. Well, uh, this was an interesting story out of California. It involves a distillery called Blinking Owl. They've been open since 2016. So now uh, getting ready to celebrate their fourth anniversary. And I want to preface this by talking about Every state has different rules, and so what we may know here in Washington or come to expect may not be the same in California, Idaho, and so on. So this has to do with the California rules in particular, but we're seeing some of the same attempts at enforcement um, in places like Alaska and Florida and other states. So in this case, Blinking Owl, it's a small craft distillery there in Santa Ana, California, just outside of L.A. They were forced to temporarily close on key shopping and uh, sampling days in November and December 
right at the height of season. Why? Well, because some of the liquor enforcement agents say they broke the rules. Uh, the way the licenses work in California, a distillery can give you one and a half ounces of a sample or mixed in a cocktail, and that's that's the cap that they have. Unless you're having a, a private event or you're a private guest uh, attending a private event. And so, uh, according to the article, uh, one of the enforcement agents shows up and, and goes in and asks for a drink, and he's given his one-and-a-half-ounce cocktail. And he asks for a second, and they say, no, you're not here as part of a private guest. We can only give you one. So he left. Well, he next month calls up and says, hey, I'd like to be added to the guest list for the event this afternoon. They add it into the guest list. He shows up. He asks for a drink. He gets it. He asks for a second drink because he's on the guest list and he's part of an event. They give him the second drink, and then he writes him up a citation, and that has resulted in their suspension of the license for so many days in November and December. So this gets back to the issue of what are the rules, how are the rules drafted, how are they being interpreted, is the interpretation being done fairly and consistently? The agencies always have an obligation to enforce rules fairly and consistently. Can't have not, they can't have selective enforcement and selective interpretation. And we face some of the same things here in Washington. We're limited to two ounces per person per day in our tasting room. Now, we believe we're very close to getting that changed in the legislator, uh, legislative session uh, in coming up in January and February. We've, we think we've got a good package worked out that will allow us to sell customers an extra drink or two uh, besides just having a sample. That's going to be great for business. It will help us educate folks even more, drive some more revenue, and uh, add some more jobs. Um, and, again, the case here in uh, California is one where they now are, are going to have to go to their own state assembly and get the law changed. We're working on a project in Florida right now. You're allowed to sell customers in your tasting rooms six bottles per person per year of a particular brand. That's it. Six bottles per person per year. Oh, wow. How do you track that? Yeah. Um, that's very difficult. And how do you build a loyal customer base and a following if you're being limited to six bottles per person per year? Um, the distilling laws have not caught up with the winery and the brewery laws. No brewery in America could get started <clears throat> if you walked in and the statute said, we're allowed to give you two ounces of beer, and that's it. Yeah, definitely. All yeah. of the breweries start and become successful because people can go in and order a pint or two pints or maybe three pints, and um, they spend the afternoon there. Same thing with wineries. So distilleries are behind the curve, and um, in almost every state, the distilleries are trying to get parity with the wineries and the breweries to allow them to have full service of the products they make <clears throat> and to educate the customers and to generate some additional revenue to support the growth of their business because it's a very challenging business atmosphere right now. So for some people who might not know, who are the people that are coming up with these regulations? Well, in almost every instance, it comes from a statute. So the statute first is enacted through the legislature in, in Washington here, it's in the House and the, and the State Senate in Olympia. They will craft the statute the statute is enacted, the governor signs it, and then the agency, in our case in Washington, the Washington Liquor and Cannabis Board, they develop the rules, uh, they put the rules out for public comment, and then the rules are finalized. And then every enforcement agent has a jurisdiction, and it's up to the enforcement agent to go in and on a case-by-case -case basis determine if something violates the rules or doesn't violate the rules. And uh, in many cases, there are gray areas, in many cases, the statute's have not been drafted very articulately. In some cases, because of the legislative process, 
at the height of uh, negotiations with lots of bills competing for time, the legislators will purposely be vague in how they draft it, and then they will say, we'll just figure out when the agency goes to draft the rules. <laughs> and so they oh, punt wow. it and kick it down the road. Yeah. And then it goes to the agency, and then the agency looks at this and says, well, what are we supposed to do with this? Because the agency has competing priorities. These agencies on the liquor enforcement side, they're not really economic development agencies. They are tax collection agencies, and they are public safety enforcement agencies. So they, they have mandates for how they operate that are sometimes at odds and in competition with economic development. So you've got industry on one side who wants to grow, create jobs, earn revenue, earn profit, and you've got the public safety and tax side trying to come in the middle to make sure that everyone's following the rules the same way. And it creates some tension, especially without proper guidance from the legislature. Absolutely. So I'm guessing that change, because of this, change doesn't happen often, or at least it takes a long period of time for it to be enacted. It does. This this bill I talked about that we're trying to get passed here in January, February of 2020, we've been working on it for three and a half years in Olympia wow. alone. So it takes oh a while. Goodness. It takes momentum, uh, critical mass, and, and a few other things have to fall in line. I think we've got the, the right package now. And uh, when it's enacted, you're going to see our distilleries on par with wineries and breweries in Washington, being able to serve customers the products they make. Uh, I mean, think about this. If you made popcorn and you had a store in downtown Seattle and the state had a special agency regulating popcorn and tourists got off the boats or went to Pike Base Market and then they walked into your popcorn store and the state statute said, I'm sorry, you can only offer five kernels of popcorn as a sample <laughs> and that's it. You would you not stay in business very long. Yeah. And so the distilleries are the only the only business in the state that has this statute still capping what they can uh, do mm-hmm. because the wineries and breweries don't have that that same cap. And, and as a result, we see a thousand wineries in, in Washington all making tremendous products using Washington grown grapes and and spreading the brand of Washington wine around the world in a very effective way. We see 500 breweries in Washington, all active in the market, engaging customers and putting Washington on the map and buying a lot of barley from farmers and a lot of hops from the Yakima Valley. And then we see 100 distilleries in Washington struggling because this arbitrary cap has been placed on them by the legislature. So we're trying to get that fixed. Are these restrictions one of the reasons why it's important for you to have tasting rooms? Well, the restrictions make it difficult to operate tasting rooms. Um, when we get some of these restrictions lifted, it'll make the tasting rooms actually um, easier to operate because um, we'll be able to design our programs and uh, customer offerings in a more efficient way, both for us and for the customer. All while keeping in mind, uh, we've got two obligations. Every alcohol licensee in Washington has the same two obligations no matter what. That is, you can never sell alcohol to minors, so you always are carding. 21 and over, and you cannot sell alcohol to someone who appears intoxicated. And uh, that's the same rule that the bars follow, the restaurants, and even the grocery and and package stores. If you go in and try and buy a six-pack of beer and you appear intoxicated to the uh, attendant at the retail counter, they're not allowed to sell that to you by law. Absolutely, for good reason. But one of these things that, yeah, it's fascinating and we'll make sure to keep our eye on here, especially because, yeah, we're personally invested and uh, getting to hear about heritage distilling all the time. So uh, we'll we'll keep you updated on that. 
And if you if you share our opinion that distilleries should be able to uh, have some free flow of commerce and engage the customer like our wineries and breweries have successfully done for 30 and 40 years in Washington, call your legislator in Olympia in the House and Senate and tell them you support this move. We would greatly appreciate it. Love it. Coming up on Cast Club Radio, it's that time of year for holiday cocktails, and spiced rum goes in a lot of them. We get to talk to Dr. J.P. Wenzel, one of the co-founders of Heritage Distilling in Eugene, Oregon, about a great new product they've got down there. It's next on Cast Club Radio. Radio. Uh, right now we are joined by Dr. J.P. Wen, one of the co-founders of Heritage Distilling in Eugene, Oregon, and we get to talk to him about a special new product coming out specifically there. How are you, J.P.? I'm wonderful. How are you today? Uh, we're doing excellent, especially yes. now that we get to chat with you. Before we get started on talking about the spiced rum, which we really want to get to, but can we just know a little bit more about you and how you got involved with Heritage Distilling? Well, sure. Um, as you know, Jennifer and Justin Stiefel, the president and CEO of uh, Heritage Distilling Company in Gig Harbor, you know, opened in 2012. Uh, and uh, my partner here in Eugene and co-founder of the Eugene location, uh, Dr. Glenn Kuyper, and I uh, met them the following year in 2013 at a seminar that they were giving. And uh, at that time, we, you know, we really hit it off and just talked about a partnership uh, that we kind of hammered the details out. Uh, uh, over the next couple of years. And in 2016, we opened our uh, Eugene location at HDC and have been uh, working our way since then. What do you love about Eugene? I used to work for Amtrak, actually, and I would travel on the train a lot to Eugene and a lot to Vancouver. But I always love that town, love the people. What do you think it is about that community that makes it a perfect place for heritage? Well, as far as geographic location, I love it. You know, where you're an hour from the mountains, an hour from the coast, mm-hmm. uh, close to everything. Uh, but as far as for distilling, you know, this is sort of a hotbed of uh, brewing in the Northwest. Uh, and I think distilling is really starting to uh, see that same growth curve that the brewery saw, you know, 20 to 30 years ago. Um, and it's been a real fertile, fertile ground for us thus far. People have really been receptive and enjoyed the products and we've been having a great time. A lot of friendly people, I think, and a lot of loyal people too, which I think is great for a small business, yeah. for, for these craft distilleries. Now, when it comes to the spiced rum, this just came out and available at your location, Commander Spiced Rum. What's the backstory behind it? Well, about a year and a half ago, I was speaking with uh, Justin, our president, and our head distiller, Dane, up in um, in Cake Harbor, and they said asked me to start working on some kind of a formulation for a spiced rum. So that was a year and a half ago, uh, and uh, there's been several iterations <laughs> from between now and then. <laughs> And we go back and forth with my uh, head distiller here in town, Scott Comer, and with Dane Grimmer, the head distiller for the entire organization up in Gig Harbor. I come up with the formulation, send it up. We talk about what we liked and didn't like, and I kept tweaking it and you know, adding a couple spices here and there until we got to a formula that we all really enjoyed. And um, that happened you know, a few months ago, and then we've just been kind of producing larger amounts of it so that we could release it. Uh, to our cast club members, uh, which we did last Saturday, and it was kind of the premiere of the Spice Drum. What was the response that you've had from from people so far? Uh, enthusiastic. You know, we really uh, have such wonderful uh, uh, customers and cast club members. They're so supportive, and um, they they loved it. Uh, it was really uh, heartened to see the reaction. Uh, you know how if you're working on something after a while, you're not really sure. <laughs> 
how other people are going to yeah. receive it. But this, this went over very well, and I think it's going to be uh, popular here in town and hopefully regionally as we, uh, you know, increase distribution of it. I know you said it took a lot to perfect the recipe. Uh, what is what is different, or is there any any notes that you could pick out that um, might be something new for people that have tried other spice rums? Well, I don't. You know, there are a number of spice rums out there. Um, what, what I think is distinctive about ours is that we we start with actually a really wonderful rum that we distill and sell as rum, and that's the Commander Silver Rum. We don't make it with like a lower uh, base rum. We make it with uh, the best rum we can make. And to that, we add uh, a blend of, you know, nine proprietary spices. I can tell you a few, but not all of them. Uh, it's just, uh, and the spices are all organic botanicals. There's nothing artificial, uh, flavor-wise or otherwise. Uh, it's just the rum just really is alive. You can taste all the notes, you know, the uh, nutmeg and cardamom, some other savory notes, but they're also uh, layered with the tropical and floral notes of, of the rum itself. Little molasses kiss at the finish. It's just a, just a, a wonderful experience. And I believe the Eugene location was the first uh, heritage location to have rum in general as well. Is there something that, about that spirit that you love? There is. It's just got such a rich history. The reason why it happened in Eugene first is because of the craft laws. You know, every state has different craft laws. In Washington, where HCC began and is still based, um, in order for um, a spirit uh, to be designated craft and still there, 51% of whatever you're fermenting has to come from Washington, right? Uh-huh. Now, now, obviously, there's no sugarcane in Washington, and rum <laughs> has to be produced from sugarcane or sugarcane products, i.e. sugar or molasses. Now, we, we have some, um, let's call them interesting uh, laws about craft distilling here in Oregon as well, but we don't have that particular restraint, so that's why rum distillation started here. That's interesting. I didn't yeah. realize that. Um, we also heard something yeah. about, uh, now that this is available, it's being sold, something about a road trip? <laughs> Uh, you guys are coming down. That's great. Please, please come and visit. I, I would definitely encourage you to come down on the road. Yes, absolutely. Know when you're coming, we'll do a tour of the distillery and, you know, have huh? some of the new drinks that uh, our head mixologist has come up with with this new spirit. Speaking of drinks, what are some good ideas that people can, if they are able and lucky enough to pick up the spice rum, what, do you, what are some things that you recommend pairing with it? Well, there's a couple recommendations I would uh, give you, and these are uh, – we have uh, – a uh, wonderful head mixologist for, for uh, Heritage of the Company. His name is Philip Robbins, and I've worked with him in the past on different um, cocktails, different things, and he has just come up with some wonderful you know, uh, cocktails month after month. Uh, he, he worked on coming up with cocktails with the spiced rum and just did, did again, a wonderful job. Uh, one cocktail I'll give you a recipe for is called the Stone Fence. Stone Fence originally is actually, it predates our, our nation. It was wow. uh, something they drank in colonial America. Yeah. Now, you might have heard of a Stone Fence more recently, uh, you know, in the 1900s, done with rye. But initially, and interesting, it was actually done with rum. And uh, it was just simply rum and either apple cider or, uh, you know, or, or fermented uh, uh, apple, or apple brandy or something like that, like hard cider. Um, and the recipe is as follows. Uh, into a tumbler of ice, you just had two ounces of spiced rum. Uh, a couple dashes of Angostura bitters, and then top it off with either filtered apple cider or hard cider, if you like. And there you have it. It's called a stone fence. Really a great cocktail to drink around this time of year. It's also got a pretty color to it. I was looking at your website, actually, at this very recipe, and you can even throw some mint on there and mint sprigs, and it's just got a really beautiful color to it. Perfect for this That's time right. You could you could, you could, you could uh, spank a sprig of mint and stick it on top. You could... Uh, great the nutmeg, uh, all of the above, Ooh. you know. Yeah, 
I mean, it really is the perfect time of year. Spiced rum. We we talk a lot about winter cocktails, and and uh, this sounds perfect. So I would throw it in some eggnog as well. Ooh, I like it. That's an easy combination. Exactly. There you go. Got uh, a, got a, have, a, have another uh, recipe for you, for you oh, folks. Perfect. Um, um, I know you've heard of the dark and stormy cocktail. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Philip came up with kind of a riff on that using our spice rum. He calls it a spice and stormy. Uh, simple recipe. Into an ice shaker, you add two ounces of our spice rum, and a half ounce each of uh, the raft ginger simple syrup, a uh, half ounce of raft demerara simple syrup, and a half ounce of lime juice. That's all there is to it. Just shake it up uh, and strain it into a tumbler of ice. You can garnish it as you like, maybe a slice of orange or maybe some grated nutmeg. Ooh, that sounds good, too. That sounds amazing. Yeah, they're, they're both really yummy. I had both of them uh, at the uh, got a chance to taste both of them at the release this Saturday. Just, just outstanding. Um, I'm gonna have to talk to Justin about why we've never had this mixologist Philip on the show. I know. <laughs> he <laughs> seems like someone we should talk to. Yeah. He's a good guy to talk to. <laughs> so uh, you said you had a release party on Saturday. How did that go? We did. It was a release for our cast club members. It was. Uh, very well attended, um, and uh, it was uh, well received. As I said, um, we had actually uh, four different cocktails with the spiced rum and some other uh, special rums that we released, some aged rums, and uh, it was uh, a wonderful time with the distillery. We had a, a nice uh, reception and nice, nice feedback from everybody regarding the spiced rum. So overall, it was a big success. That's awesome. I know the Cast Club is one of our favorite things that Heritage does. So that is available down in Eugene as well. It is. It is. It's a program, um, you know, they pioneered there in, 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 uh, in Gig Harbor. Now that we also have here, it's a wonderful way to get people involved in the distillery, and it's been, it's been great for us here. I know that sometimes they fill up quickly, but there are there are still spots available if people around that area want to get involved, want to be a part of Cast Club. Uh, well, we've sold out again, uh, which tends to happen every time we open it up to more members. Yeah. But um, you can get on a list, and uh, just as soon as we can. Uh, get a cast for you. You'll be uh, involved in the process as well. We haven't turned anybody away yet, you know. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, JP, thank you so much for taking time to join us uh, to talk about Commander Spiced Rum. We'll make sure everybody gets down to the Eugene location, comes in and hangs out in the distillery room, check it out uh, before the holidays here. Thank you so much. That is great. Pleasure talking to both of you. Thanks for your time, okay? Coming up on Cast Club Radio, Distiller Dane, one of our favorites joining us. He's got a brand new top five, and you can bet some of them are holiday-themed. It's next on Cast Club Radio. back to Cast Club Radio right now. We're joined by one of our favorites, Distiller Dane on the line. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Excellent. Awesome. Especially since now we're getting another new top five. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, let's start it off. What's uh, what's number one on the list? All right. Number one on the list is a new brewery that I just uh, visited down in Cannon Beach in Oregon, and that is called Public Coast Brewing. So I was uh, recently down on the Oregon coast, and I stopped by this place fun, easygoing environment, and they had quite a few interesting beers, actually, and some of my favorites that I tried were as a Rosemary Session IPA, a Coconut Brown Ale, which was delicious, and then a unique one, which was actually a stout brewed with candy cap mushrooms. Ooh, that sounds interesting. Wow. Yeah. Just kind of it sounds interesting, but uh, it was actually really good. It's not like too earthy from the mushrooms at all or anything like that. It had this kind of unique, vibrant flavor profile to it. I love it. I'll take anything with mushrooms, actually, so <laughs> I'm all in. What's number two on the list? 
All right, so number two on my list. While driving uh, down along the coast, I stopped by this donut shop called Dundee's Donuts because sometimes you just got to <laughs> stop for a donut when you're traveling. Uh, and I think I found my favorite creation of a classic donut, and they call it the split personality, and, and it greatly helps uh, indecisiveness in the donut shop if you're there as well. And it's actually a donut, um, a bar donut that is half chocolate and half maple, so it's the best of both worlds Ooh. combined together. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the, it's always a Sophie's choice if you have to choose between one or the other, and this place really you know, took the, took the guesswork out of it. I like it. What is number three? All right, so number three on my list, this is a fun activity that just popped up, and I'm going to go try it out soon because around the holidays, people like to go ice skating. You know, there's mm-hmm. some rinks already there with some pop-up, but there's something new that has come to a local ice rink, and that is ice bumper cars. What? No way. That sounds I know, super fun. I, I couldn't <laughs> believe it when I saw it either, but uh, it's at the Sprinker Recreation Center in Tacoma, and so on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays, you can join in on 15-minute sessions, and you're, like, in this little personal inner tube-like bumper car, I mean, it's all on the ice rink there indoors. Wow, that sounds so cool. I don't know how you find this stuff. Yeah. I'm so glad we get to talk to you because I I, I'm just, I don't know about any of this kind of cool stuff going on. I, I tried searching for some in some other areas and had no luck, but maybe some more will pop up this okay, month. Okay, ice bumper cars. Sounds like, you know, if, if ice skating's a little tired for you, then you can uh, you can try something new. That's great. What's number four? Number four is a show that I just started watching on Amazon Prime, and it is called The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Have you guys checked this out? Yeah. Well, I've heard of it. I've definitely heard of it. Isn't the uh, the creator of one of the creators of Gilmore Girls? I think so. Amy Sherman Palladino. Actually, interesting, when I was looking up, a bunch of Gilmore Girls came up next to it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That might be right. Um, but the season three, so they're actually on season three. It just, uh, just came out actually last week. And from just the little picture displayed on there, you might not know what it's about. So I'm glad I ended up clicking on it. But it's basically set in the 1950s. And it's about a woman coming up as a comedian in New York. And so it's actually quite funny. And it has all of her performances and everything. And there's actually a lot of old and classic cocktail and whiskey references throughout the show as well, which is interesting. Oh, sweet. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, any period, like, pieces like that I love to watch just because based on the costumes and the fashion. But cocktails, I didn't, you're right. I didn't even think about that tie in there. And you're a big comedy fan, Lydia. Yes, that's I mean, true. me too, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's very true. All right, number five, Dane, wrap it up for us. All right, number five. It's the time of the year where holiday music is being played everywhere. It <laughs> almost becomes the love-hate relationship because <laughs> you love it a lot, hearing the same songs over and over. So I found a solution to mix it up, and that is reggae Christmas music. Ooh, <laughs> I all like right. that. Yeah, I didn't even know it was a thing, but I got on my Spotify app and typed it in, and they actually have a ton of all these classic songs redone by reggae bands, and it's actually quite amazing. Well, that's kind of a theme in this top five, right? Like, if you're bored of the ice skating rinks, you can bump it up a notch. You know, if you've, the same old Christmas music is played out, you put a little spit on it. I like it. So just search reggae Christmas music. Yep, that's easy as that. Okay, love it, Dane. Thank you so much again for another great top five. All right, thank you. Well, as always, we've got another cocktail recipe for you uh, right now. That's right. So our friends at Enchant are still at T-Mobile Park and in uh, Washington, D.C. at Nationals Park and down in Tampa Bay. So if you've not had a chance to go check it out, uh, take the family. There's still tickets. And uh, they're featuring our BSB in an apple cider there. We've kicked it up a notch, and we're going to make something called the Enchanted BSB Apple Cider. It starts off with hot apple cider, 
one and a half ounces of BSB brown sugar bourbon, some whipped cream, some caramel sauce, a little bit of cinnamon, and a donut hole. So you might go to the store and get that donut hole. Put the BSB in the hot apple cider, top it with a whipped cream, drizzle some caramel, dust it with cinnamon, and then put a straw or a really long um, uh, skewer and load some donuts on the top of that thing as a garnish like a Bloody Mary. I like that you went that extra mile with the garnish. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm all about the garnish. Yes, it's awesome. All right, this will be available for you online at heritagedistilling.com, where you can also check out past episodes of the podcast. That's right. And you can email us ideas, topics, suggestions at the Cask Club Radio at heritagedistilling.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Cask Club Radio. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes. And also don't forget to uh, post pictures of your advent calendars and a BSB either on Instagram for Facebook uh, for uh, Heritage or using the hashtag DrinkingBSB. And 11 days left in the advent calendars before Christmas. So if you're still looking for gift ideas, go to heritagedistilling.com or visit any one of our six tasting rooms in the Northwest. Love it. We'll catch you back here next week on Cast Club Radio. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling. Check us out on MyNorthwest.com to learn more and catch up on past episodes. Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling. 